It was interesting. I was thinking, like I said, um, I mentioned that um, I was going to read Grace Defined uh, that we had for Sunday school, and I had to go in and get it. But when I went in there, I found my sermon. <laughs> so I'd have been really at a lurch. Who stole my sermon, you know? <laughs> it's not even April Fool's Day. So, so um, anyhow, that would be a good one sometime. Listen to her. Steal the preacher's sermon, you know? See what happens then. Yeah. We think my name is Rhonda, <laughs> that I can just talk off the cuff, you know? So I can do that sometimes, but um, we've been, in our Sunday school lesson, we were talking about grace and um, uh, how that, and, and Peter, in First Peter, was talking about how that Peter had experienced the grace of God and how that, um, that whenever people suffer persecution, Peter, who Peter is writing to, that they are to remember how that Christ, that he was the copy, he was the example, he was the outline that we are to follow if we are suffering for doing something that is good. And most of the time that we have um, an understanding of grace, it is a, well, the simple definition of it is divine favor, uh, that we, you know, God gives to us his grace and his mercy, and that grace is God's gift to us, that it's part of God's character. It is God's character. That there's nothing we can do to earn it. It is given by God to us. It is part, it is who he is. It is bestowed upon us. So all we can do is be recipients of it. And um, I found this definition of it, and we used it in our Sunday school lesson, and I thought perhaps we would read it here because the title of my lesson is The Yes to God's Promise is in Christ. Now, the yes to God's promise is in Christ. Coming from Easter, <laughs> last week, we spoke of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we know that without the resurrection, there is really nothing more to believe in. Uh, there is, you know, some religions, they have, they, they have their religion, but they have no resurrected Savior. They have their philosophies, but they have no one that is... They have only a person who is conveying the thoughts, but they have no one that is resurrected from the dead. Jesus Christ is the is God incarnate, came to be like us, was here his three-year ministry, his uh, death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead. These, this is the foundation of our belief. This is the foundation of everything that we understand that Christianity is followers of Jesus Christ, who is, he is alive. He ever lives to intercede for us. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is coming back again <laughs> to receive us um, into heaven. So this is the foundation of everything we believe is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But our faith is not just in, in promises or in word. Our faith is in the character of God, the of what is it like to know God? That what, what is, if Jesus were standing here, which he is, <laughs> in the word, and he is with us always, we can never be separated from him, so he is with us. You know, you can never be someplace that God is not there. All right? So, he is here with us. Now, what is it like to know Jesus? What is the character of God? And so often we have misconceptions of God. 
you know, like uh, God is going to, the, the eyes of God are upon you. Okay, there's a plaque that read that. The eyes of God are upon you. Well, one person reads that and says, oh, God's up there marking off all my mistakes. And the other one is, God loves me so much he can't take his eyes off of me. That's the definition. He loves me so much he can't take his eyes off of me. So the definition of grace. Grace has been defined not as a created substance of any kind. So grace is not a substance. It is not a commodity that can be exchanged. I'll give you this cup for 50 cents. <laughs> you know, commodity that exchanged. God's grace is not a commodity. You pray, you get this. No. God's grace is there, is not a commodity, it's something that is given to us. Uh, the love and mercy given to us by God because God desires to us to have it. So as we begin to put this together of God's grace, his unmerited favor, his, his blessing and his goodness to us, it is God's desire for you to have it. Okay? You can't make it happen. You can't earn it. It's God's desire to make it happen, for you to have it. Not necessarily because of anything that we have done to earn it. So, can't earn it. You can't make it happen. You, it's God's desire to give it to you. Okay, grace is favor. The free and undeserved help that God gives us to respond to his call and become children of God. Adoptive sons, partakers of the divine nature and of eternal life. So it is God's favor. God looks favorably upon you. You know, sometimes we, um, we, we would like people to be more favorable to us, right? You know, well, if they're favorable to us, they'll do good things for us. They'll cut us a break. They'll, you know, whatever it might be, pay for lunch, you know. <laughs> so anyhow, that we want them to be more favor-minded favor towards them. Well, God... Okay, God gives us um, his divine favor. He is favor-minded towards us that he wants us to be recipients of all the good things he has, he has for our life. See, now, we have to adjust our natural thinking to a supernatural understanding. Our natural thinking is, you do good for me, I'll do good for you. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. I'm not going to do good for them anymore because the last time I did it, you see, so we, we kind of, you know, that's a natural way of doing things. And, and, and it's safe. I mean, that's not an unfair thing. I mean, you, you know, if you get bit by a dog once, it's happened. You get bit by a dog twice, same dog. You get bit by the dog the third time, you better learn what its nature is, and you don't want to be a fool again. <laughs> okay. We have to, there are things we need to learn. You know, some dogs just bite. Okay. Some people just lie. Some people just steal. They want to. They want to abuse you, use you, whatever thing. You know, those are just, those are people that their trust is not something, trust is something that is earned, not something that is given. Okay? So when we are in relationship with other people, if we're going to learn to trust them, they have to prove it to us. We can't just simply trust everybody. <laughs> it doesn't work. So God's grace, his favor, the free and undeserved help that God gives us. I could, I could preach a whole sermon on this. I almost did Sunday school too. But 
Second part of it, it is understood by Christians to be a spontaneous gift from God to his people. A spontaneous, it is God's nature, it's just who he is, <laughs> to give his grace to us, generously, freely, and totally unexpected and undeserved. The third, the third definition. Um, his grace that takes the form of a divine favor, love, clemency, and a and a share in the divine life of God. So here we are in this divine life of God. Oh, I'm not allowed to sit on the altar. I'm sorry. <laughs> One of the preachers, he was here, and, and um, I stepped over the altar, and he said, you know, you're not supposed to step over an altar. And I thought, oh my. <laughs> Some people, I, I mean, it is sacred. The altar is sacred. It's a sacred place. But I don't, well, anyhow, it's a sacred place. So, you're never going to sit on, you shouldn't, the only thing you should put on the altar is your all. <laughs> is your all on the altar of God. <laughs> Not just your backside. So, <laughs> uh, now that I just totally disrupted grace and favor, you know. <laughs> so, so in the, in the resurrection, whenever we're looking at Jesus Christ and his gifts to us and his divine favor in our life, we have to see that this is the character of God. God is not getting even. He is not sentenced. He's not looking to put people in hell. He's, he's desiring for people to become his children. He's desiring for his gifts to be given to us so that we can have this divine favor in our life uh, and that we can be recipients of his blessing. So we're looking for God to bless us. Now, some people will not bless us, but we don't need to get distracted with that. We need to continue to look for the blessing of God. So, whenever we have the, the uh, understanding that Christ is risen from the dead, we have the understanding that when we accept Christ in our heart, the Holy Spirit lives within us. And that he, we are the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, dwell in you. He will quicken your mortal bodies. He will help us to understand. Quicken means to make, more, make alive. So he will not only raise us from the dead, he will bring to life our dead thoughts. The dead thoughts are those thoughts that say to us, I'm not good enough. I've sinned too much. I've failed too often. You know, all the can't go this, can't do that, and can't get there from here. Those types of spiritual things that we think are normal are not normal. That grace and mercy are given to us. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, beginning at verse um, 17, I believe, do you think, and this is, this is Paul writing to the church at Corinth, he says, do you think that I made these plans without really meaning it? So he's speaking of God, making plans for the people at Corinth. Then we can do that for our own life. Do you think, okay, we're, the importance is that we take the word of God that is not only meant for the people in Corinth, but we see that it is very applicable for you and I. Do you think, what does he say here? Do you think that I made these plans without really meaning it? Do you think that I made plans for your life without really meaning it, without really thinking it through? Do you think that I made these plans in a uh, light manner, like God created us with, well, let's see what we can do with this one. 
Or maybe you think I made plans as the world does for using only human standards and human reasoning. The um, kind of like, we'll use what we can get, you know, we'll take the best of, the understanding is, do you really think that God would create you without a plan? <laughs> now, take, given our understanding of grace and mercy, okay, that it is undeserved, un, you know, that we have all this, it is his nature to bestow upon it, so God is telling us that, do you think that I would go through all of this to create you with no plan in mind? And the answer is, do you think that God would make you without a plan? And the answer is no. <laughs> God does, he, he does have a plan. Yes, he has a plan. So unless you're throwing up yes, no, yes, no, God does have a plan, all right? Verse 18. But since you can believe God, okay, meaning that God is trustworthy and faithful, you can believe that what we tell you is never both yes and no. So Paul is telling them, since you can believe God, and I am presenting to you his word that he has a plan for you, it is not yes and no. Uh, he speak with forked tongue. Can <laughs> you watch westerns? And the, uh, they're not Indians anymore, they're American, what? Well, it's Native Americans, yeah. You don't call them, they are Native Americans. And that was an expression of uh, forked tongue was a uh, undecided, uh, the, the, you say one thing and, and do another. So Paul is saying, God has a plan for you, but he is not just saying one thing and then doing another. God has a plan for our life. So he puts inside of us all the stuff, the talents, the, you know, are seemingly... Um, our, our gifts that we really like and our weaknesses that we think are, make us unimportant or whatever, Paul, Paul, you know, Paul is telling us God has a plan and he is not saying yes and no. Yet he's saying one thing and meaning another or doing something else. He's saying it's not that way. Verse 19. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, um, from, excuse me, excuse me, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, that Silas and Timothy and I preached to you, was not yes and no, but rather, in Christ, in him, it always has been yes. So, Paul is relating, okay, Paul, Silas, Timothy, he said, we were here preaching to you Jesus Christ, and he says to them that in him it has always been yes. There is no say one thing and do another. There is no, God promises this, but not for you. <laughs> There's none of that. He's telling them, you people in Corinth need to understand God has always meant yes to you. Okay? Yes to you. Now, yes. Love and mercy given to us by God because God desires us to have it, not necessarily because of anything we have done to earn it. Grace is favor, the free and undeserved help that God gives us to respond to his call to become children of God. That's a yes. Can we all say yes? Yes. yes. 
Gotcha. All right, so it's yes. The, the promises of God and the plan of God are yes. They are yes for us. And, there is, and it isn't yes and no, it is yes. All right, then he goes on. Verse uh, 20. The yes to all of God's promises is in Christ. Huh? Sound familiar? That's our title. <laughs> the yes to all of God's promises is in Christ. And through Christ, we say yes. We say amen. <laughs> we say uh, it is true to the glory of God. So, we hear this word that all of God's promises are yes to us, and when we hear this word spoken to us, we are responding with a resounding amen. <laughs> Why? Because it is true. Let it be as it was said. So I am allowing God to let it be as it was said in my life. That this grace and this mercy, let it be as God has said it. Let it be as God has said it. I am believing that God has said to me, I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. I have things set in order for you, for today and tomorrow. I have promises that will never be removed from your life. You know, when, when God said to Abraham, I will bless you, <laughs> I will cause you to have children as numerous as the, so the stars in the sky, as the sand on the seashore. Can you count them? Well, not really. And God is saying to Abraham, that promise is a yes. It is true. It will be fulfilled. You can't stop it. I'm going to fulfill it. You obey my commands, you walk with me, and I will fulfill what I have promised to you. So in our life, what we are doing is like Abraham saying, yes, I will walk with God. I will be recipients of his grace because, you know, there's nothing I can do to make it happen. I'm allowing God to be part of my life. <laughs> and, and, you know, and the definition there, it says, the favor the free and undeserved help. Now you see, how often do we say we can't do this because I need help? God is saying the free and undeserved help that God gives us to respond to his call. Whenever we are living our life with God, we are responding to his call upon us. You didn't choose, the scripture says, you, didn't chose, you did not choose me, I chose you. So God is saying, I chose you, and I am giving to you a, your, a, this undeserved help for your life so that what you are doing, you will do by the grace, the favor, the strength, the power, the help of God. Amen. Thank you. So, so if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the help of, that's the favor of God. He ever lives to intercede for us. God is interceding for us and we don't even have to ask him. It's his grace and his mercy. It is his, his will to pray for us. Um, God will make a way for us where there seemingly is no way. He will make the crooked places straight. He will 
fill in the uh, valleys and he'll take down the mountains. The king's highway. <laughs> See, the, the, in, the, in the king's highway is when the king was going to go to a certain place, he would send out his slaves or his workers to ups and downs of the valleys. He wanted the mountains to be put down and filled in the valleys so that the king's highway is straight. The king didn't have to go up and down all of the cow paths. <laughs> so they made a road. And God is saying that he will make a way for us that will smooth out the potholes. <laughs> he will not use the uh, taxpayer's gas tax to <laughs> fund to someone else. <laughs> Those of you who didn't read the newspaper, I mean, read a newspaper on that one. The, uh, <laughs> they, they took the gas tax that we were using and we were paying the state police a couple billion dollars and not repairing the highways. Oh, what a mistake, you know? <laughs> so what do we do? We pray that God will help people get things straight. Yes, all right. So anyhow, God helps us out to get things straight. We pray that God will help the government, those in, in leadership make things straight, all right? So yes means it is true, that it is true to the glory of God. So whenever I am asking God and allowing God to move in my life and to help me with his divine favor, it isn't for my glory, it's for his glory. I am saying yes to God, I am saying yes it is true, so that God would receive glory from the giftings he has given to my life. Well, I don't have any giftings, then we need to open our eyes that I might see Jesus, <laughs> and I might understand, hear what he is doing, because all the good, every good and perfect thing that has come into your life, God has given it to you. So every time we have a good thing, we are giving thanks to God. So, verse 21. Remember, God is the one who makes you and us strong. So when we feel like we are weak and we can't continue, God is the one who gives, what is it, Isaiah, I have it somewhere, that he gives weak to the strong. He gives, he gives weak to the strong. He gives strength to the weak, uh, to the weary. He gives uh, strength. You know, we, we find that God gives us the power to uh, compensate for our frailties. So that it is God is the one who makes, makes you and us strong. He enables us to stand firm that we are established in Christ. We are established. We stand firm in Christ. God made us his chosen people. He has anointed us. Now, when we start thinking of this, you know, it's sometimes easy for me to read this and say, that's the Jewish people. <laughs> that's the Jewish people. But Paul is not writing to the Jewish people. He's writing to the Christians. And he's telling us that in Christ we have been made strong. We're able to stand firm. We're able to stand firm, we're, we're safe, we're secure in Christ because we're on the rock, Jesus Christ. Now, the, the, the story of, of, of the sinking sand, you know, the one guy builds his house on the sand, one guy builds his house on the rock, okay? So we know the story, the storm comes. And, and the idea that I heard, you know, and I never really put it together, was that the same storm comes to the same two houses, the one built on sand without foundation gets washed out and it collapses. The one that's built on the rock 
is, is able to stand firm and the storm doesn't take it down. In our life, we are, we are standing on the rock Christ Jesus and the storms of life may come, which they do, but we're not taken down because our foundation is firm in Christ. So, um, he, he, verse 21, God is the one who makes, makes you and us strong. He makes, helps, he enables us to be strong and to be firm. God made us his chosen people. You did not choose me, but I chose you. He grafted us into the vine. We are part of the body of Christ. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the dwelling place of God. We are the mouthpiece of God. We are the presence of God in the world that we live in. That when people want to see Jesus, they see you. <laughs> when people want to hear God speak, they listen to your voice. Because from our voice should come, can come, the wisdom of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God. Verse 21. God is the one who makes you, makes you and us strong. Verse 22. He put his mark on us. <laughs> you know, some, I remember, well, it still is true that in the end times that people will receive the mark of the beast. And, you know, there was always, you know, 666 on the forehead or maybe it's the barcode that goes on our hand that you won't be able to buy or sell without the mark, that you have some type of social security number, you have some type of number that is yours, that there's no money system, it's all just, you know, a swiping of a barcode or something. And at the end times, no one will be able to buy or sell without the mark, without the barcode of the Antichrist. Well, here we have, he put, that God has put his mark on us. And what is the mark? Well, in this verse, he's telling us the mark of God is he has put his spirit in our hearts. God has put his Holy Spirit in our hearts. That when we receive Christ, he abides within us. His Spirit quickens us. His Spirit helps us to understand divine favor. God looks favorably upon us. He will open doors that no man can open. He will close doors that no one can close. He will prepare a place for you. He will prepare a way for you. He will make the crooked places straight. He is the provider of our life. Provider not only for our spiritual life, he's the provider for our financial life, our financial well-being. He's the provider for our today, our tomorrow, and eternity. So in this provision, the provision of God, it is the Holy Spirit that makes, helps us to be aware. It's no longer I that am living here, but it is Christ who lives in me and that I have a purpose and I have power and I have a place. I have divine favor. I belong to the family of God. I am part of the body of Christ. That no weapon formed against me can prosper. That there is a way that God, there is a way maker for me and for my life. There is one, there is strength in the midst of my weakness. There is help in the time that I need help. It is always there because Christ is in me. That is his mark. That is his mark upon us that I do not fret nor do I worry. I do not become anxious, but in all things, 
prayer and supplication to God. I have this mark on my life that I am the eternal optimist. That God is going to work out his will in my life no matter what happens in the world around me. That I will not fail or God will not fail me and no matter what my failings or shortcomings may be, God will be the one who helps me get through this. This is his mark of my life. I believe that God has a plan for my life. Amen. I believe that God has a purpose for my life. I believe. It is a guarantee. It is a guarantee. The Holy Spirit is the guarantor. <laughs> the Holy Spirit in us is the guarantor. He guarantees that what he has promised will be fulfilled. Why? Because you have the Spirit in you now. The Holy Spirit is in you. Why? Because I accepted Christ as my Savior. So Christ in me, the hope of glory, the guarantor of what his word says is for me. You can't make this happen. It is free. Grace is favor. Favor. The free and undeserved help that God gives us to respond to his call to become children of God, adopted sons and daughters, partakers of the divine nature and of eternal life. It is God's gift to us. It is who he is. It is what he longs to do. He longs to have his mark on our life. And what is his mark? It's more than just numbers and a symbol. It is a favor. It is understanding. I'm blessed. It is knowing that all things will turn to the good because God promised it. It is a, it is a, a knowledge that God's character is such, he'll never leave me. He'll never abandon me. I've never been forsaken. That my life doesn't matter how it looks, I know how it's going to turn out. <laughs> it's going to be good. That's the mark of those who follow Christ. And that when I find my purpose, and as I am living out my purpose, <laughs> that God is there with me every moment of every day, and he is affirming the affirmation, I'm blessed. I'm eternal. Whether I live or die, I belong to God, so I'm safe in the hands of my Father. <laughs> he puts his mark on us to show that we are his. It is his seal. And he put his spirit in our hearts to be a guarantee that what we have on the inside is his Holy Spirit dwelling in us. The Holy Spirit is the guarantor of what is yet to come. It is the guarantor of what is yet to come. Blessings, favor, and resurrection, and power, and peace, and blessing, knowing that God is pleased with my life. Because if he isn't, he'll help me reach that point where he is. <laughs> Amen? Let's stand.
this grace, it is understood by us, by Christians, to be a a spontaneous gift from God to people. It is a spontaneous gift. All of this goodness from God is a spontaneous gift. It's just as natural as breathing is as natural as God's gift to us. It's spontaneous, generous, free, and totally unexpected and undeserved. Give it to you. (laughs) That takes form of divine favor, love, clemency, and a share in the divine life of God. So here we are, God. (laughs) The breath of God breathes on us. The Holy Spirit breathes on us. And as Christ is alive in our hearts and minds, and as he is seated at the right hand of the Father, he has blessed us with eternal hope and everyday understanding that I walk with God and he walks with me and I am a friend of God and he is a friend of mine. And nothing can separate us, no problem, no circumstance, no difficulty. It's all part of God working in me. And so when I learn to have the mark of God on my life, I'm learning to say thank you to God. That's his mark. I trust that it'll all be well with me and my family. We will all be saved and stand, at the, and stand with Christ in eternity. That's my mark. It's hope. It's blessing. It's restoration. It's peace. I am his. He is mine. We're all together in this, in this life and the one to come. Amen? God, you have heard our prayers. You know our needs. God, we open our hearts to be receptive of your spirit and how that you breathe on us, the breath of God, breathe on us. (laughs) And where your breath is, there is life and joy and peace. We are yours now and forevermore. We are healed. We are restored. We are blessed. The windows of heaven open and blessings rain down upon us and favor rains upon our life and We're no longer caught up in what is wrong. We are caught up with what is right and what is good and what is sacred and what is yet to come. Lord, we want to see you more clearly. We want to hear you more distinctly. We want to have that breath of God breathe on me. Oh God, let your breath breathe on us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. God bless you. Bless you, your family, your day-to-day going in and coming out (laughs) from this day forth and forevermore. Amen. Amen. God bless you.